coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. I guess in a leadership role, what you need to understand is that evolution of yourself, evolution of the business and evolution of the person is just in there. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You cannot get in the way of that. So therefore, EQ, self-awareness, I think they're prerequisites on any candidates that you look for. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I love the old Zen expression, the empty cup. You know, you have to come with an empty cup to things because you might be the smartest guy in that industry. You might have picked up everything from the industry. But typically, if we're involved, we're coming in with some sort of angle of disruption, which essentially means you got to toss out everything you know mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. put it all back into the cup again to figure out how to do that. Now, you can only do that if you're very comfortable with knowing yourself because when you know yourself, you know that you have to toss out everything you think is good about yourself. Welcome to the show, I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have David McCann, who is the principal CEO of AOP Capital Limited. So David has quite an entrepreneurial, eclectic entrepreneurial background. He's run businesses in the US, in Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong. He currently has lived in Hong Kong for about the last uh, 10 years, I believe we, we had said. So we talk a lot about building culture and building collaboration between different cultures. And David has a great background in operations and, and building synergies between not only those different cultures, but also different business units and different businesses as well. So really what they're doing is is building different businesses and then using synergies and using assets from those other businesses to be able to support other businesses. So really, really interesting conversation. You know, if you're, if you're interested in building, uh, you know, having many different businesses that sort of all feed and interconnect with one another, or if you're looking to, to build a uh, multinational type company, this is an episode that you're not going to want to miss. So I hope you enjoy David McCann on Pass the Secret Sauce. So I grew up in the west of Ireland in Galway. My dad was a, a teacher. I think my mom would be best described as a frustrated entrepreneur. But in those days, in the, in the 80s in Ireland, you, as a woman, I don't think it could be one. And it was about debate. And I'm pretty convinced my dad didn't really know which side of the debate he was on, other than it had to be the opposite <laughs> side of the debate to the kids. So um, <laughs> that was challenging. And it was good. And it was always uh, about, ironically, it was about pushing outside of your boundaries. I think that came from my mother's frustration of sort of not being allowed to push outside her boundaries and achieve what she wanted to achieve based mm-hmm. on sex and year. And I think my father's probably desire to push outside his boundaries, but maybe not having the 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 fear and somebody to have the courage to to address some of those fears. Yeah. You know, um, he was a teacher, and I think when he retired, the joke. I've got two younger brothers. The joke we had was that. This will be the first September that he's never gone to school. So <laughs> <laughs> but oh, that, was that, that was that. Yeah, it's good. That's what, 
we did. It was fun. That's it was funny. fun childhood. Yeah, it was good so fun. What, what you, you said your mom was a, a frustrated entrepreneur. What was, mm -hmm. what was her desire? What was her, you know, what was she trying to start or what did she, what was her goals? Yeah, look, mom's a mom's an interesting woman. I mean, she's uh, she's an inspiration. She's still alive. She, you know, she's gone back to uni. She's, I think today she's writing poetry, writing books, doing paint, wow. painting, playing bridge. I think she's playing a single digits golf. And um, you know, I think she, I think she might have got into a bit of trouble during COVID in Ireland during the lockdown because she ran out of gin and uh, <laughs> she had to go outside her home to get there for her three o'clock gin. But yeah. you know, I remember as a kid, she did things like started an embroidery business other things like making some i think they were paper briquettes so that we could keep the fire going mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. always something that she had a side hustle i guess we'd call it today it was always something that she had going on that's very cool and and obviously this influenced you uh to to an, a certain extent when did you first start getting involved in entrepreneurialism and, and you know were you doing things you know sort of in your your younger years selling candy or anything like that you know, in school yeah, I was. I mean, you know, I had a, I guess I had this credit, this fantasy growing up, but we used to get, we had a lot, I have more family in the US than a Democrat over the years from around where you are, as I just spoke about. And I've always heard of these cousins who have in business. And, and I guess, to be honest, in Ireland, then I didn't know what an entrepreneur was. And I'm grateful for that because I wouldn't have been able to spell it. And uh, <laughs> we had, a, you know, I, I did what? I coached tennis, I did newspaper rounds, I worked in bars. If there was a dollar to be made off it, I was on the back end of that. Mm -hmm. um, then I didn't want to go to university, but I felt I had to, to get some discipline. And, um, you know, it improved my drinking. It improved yeah, my social yeah. skills. Uh, <laughs> and, then I, and then as soon as that was done, I jumped on a plane and immigrated to the U.S. And I guess from then I've always sort of been an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. And what were some of the first things that you got involved in? I guess the real first step of being an entrepreneur was in around 1995 i was uh running these restaurants and i was down in Athens, georgia and i met a I met an aussie guy and he started building these payment businesses and it businesses and there was an it and a sales and marketing side of it and i took a punt uh, i went with him and got involved in that business and then we bought a company in australia we bought a company in new zealand you know we thought we were fantastic we were young we were making money we were commuting between australia and the us and we didn't actually understand the, the, the other side of the coin, which is that if you blow your money, you blow your money. Yeah. But, uh, we had, <laughs> but we had great fun. We had great yeah. fun. And I think along the way, then you learn a lot about uh, business. You learn a lot about people. And you learn, I think, you know, I was saying to somebody yesterday, when you get into a company, plans are really important and you must have them. Mm -hmm. But equally, equally important is you've got to be able to walk away from those plans when they change. Yeah. But then you've got to come back and plan again. Yeah. So, and yeah, I've just been, that's where I've been. I've been in entrepreneur land. Not, I'm not sure if it was by design or by default, but I know today I'm, I, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur and, I'm, and I enjoy it. And yeah. uh, I think what I love more about it now is just trying to find other body entrepreneurs and say, look, uh, I, the two things I look at is, um, you know, I'm sure you've heard the acronyms OPE and OPM, yep. you know, other people's experiences. Yep. So, you know, hey. I've made a couple of uh, couple of mistakes that have been costly, but I've learned from them. And I'm happy to share. Yeah, and that's what the, that's what this podcast is all about. You know, sharing our our things that we've learned and things that we've suffered and and all of that. So, and I'm curious. You you touched on something a, a few minutes ago, and I'm curious to see what your perspective is on it. When you when you said 
you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to make plans, but you have to be able to walk away from those plans. So, so this is, this is one of the, the things that I see a lot of people, you know, they sort of, you know, well, this is what we're supposed to do, or, you know, we're going to, you know, we're, we're, we're doing this and, uh, you know, at a certain point that isn't working. So, and, and even, you know, they, they make a goal. Actually, this is probably a better way to say this. So they make a goal, you know, this is where we want to be in three years, but you don't know all of the things that are going to happen, you know, between now and, you know, a month from now. So do you have any advice to keeping people on track to be able to make that goal, but, but being flexible enough in your thoughts to be able to say, okay, you know, this isn't working. Maybe we steer over here, you know, and, and we still want to get back over here at some point. Do you have any, any thoughts on, you know, how people should be navigating that or, or, you know, maybe even some of your own experiences, like hanging on too long, maybe even to an idea and maybe a, a new way of looking at things at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's a daily thought, right? Because mm -hmm. nothing, nothing goes according to plan. I guess, I think the most important thought I'd say is you've got to really understand who you are and what drives the thoughts. And, you know, just, you know, meditation is a big thing for me. Um, I practice Wing Chun, which is a China, form of Chinese Kung Fu. But the joke I say about the Wing Chun is it's not about beating somebody else up. It's about being able to control yourself to not mm -hmm. beat yourself up. And I think at least what works for me anyway, as I look at the power of intent. Okay, so rather than create that goal, turn that into an intent. So yes, it's specific and all the other things that you want to have, and there it is. But then if I'm going to go there and achieve that goal, I have to learn how to relax. I have to, when relaxing, then you can observe the breath, you can observe the things that are going on around you. And you know what? You might have to shift. You might have to change. But in Kung Fu, we talk about always keeping your center on target and always heading towards the intent. So I say, okay, well, what is the real intent? If the, intent, if the goal is, I don't know, you know, we'll be a billion dollars by the end of the year and we're looking at a million dollars by the end of the year, yeah. maybe that's the wrong intent. Maybe the real intent is to provide value to, I don't know, the team, shareholders, the clients. I don't know, but there's always that group. So I, my, my, I guess short answer is learn yourself and learn how to relax and then just get going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I love that. And, and I've tried to do, I've tried to meditate a number of times. And for me, I can't get out of my head, right? Like, you know, I think that this is, again, something that a lot of entrepreneurs have as well, where, you know, there's always something spinning. There's always something you're thinking about. How, how, how do you sort of separate yourself? How do you calm yourself and clear your mind to be able to, you know, concentrate on your breath and, and that? Is that, is, is there any type of uh, technique, secrets, anything along those lines that you can share as far as how you choose to relax? I think the first thing is it's a process. So you got to follow the process. Mm -hmm. And when I started meditating, somebody said it doesn't really kick in until year 10. And I think they're right. So, you know, I started the same as you. How do I get all this stuff out of my mind? What do they call it? The monkeys, the quiet mm -hmm. in the mind. Mm -hmm. But then I met somebody who said, well, actually, that's kind of ridiculous because that's all there for, the, for a reason. It's like percolating inside your head. So why don't you just grab a thought and then find out what's going on behind that thought? Mm -hmm. Where is it? Mean? And is it important or not? And just let it go and grab another one. And sometimes guided meditations help because it distracts the thought. But I've found a lot lately that not, if I was to guide in meditation, I like the Sam Harris, I'm sure we all know the waking up app, but I also find that you don't need that. You just need to, over the years, as you come comfortable with the thought, you actually understand 
what is driving that thought and then you come in and find out well hang on what is the physiology of that when i'm thinking about that is the is the is my shoulder out is my knee out you start to get to understand yourself and that's what's working for me it doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes in business it doesn't sure. mean that we hit all our plans but it does put a different element of perspective into when things happen and then you realize they don't actually they're not right or they're not wrong i, I have this phrase that i said like, you know success is like how you react to how the coin lands when you toss it you know one side of the coin is success one side of the coin is failure but real success is how you respond to the way it lands and i guess from meditating point of view and and just trying to take control of the self and as you know this you're an entrepreneur i mean you have great business plans when we start a project mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but what we end up with is just a very circuitous route exactly <laughs> that is very true that is very very true um how did you end up in hong kong what, what led you to hong kong uh so i was living in australia and when i was in australia i moved so i moved sort of from being an operator of businesses to sort of moving into the corporate finance investing world and using my leveraging off my operating skills and then we did an acquisition in asia there was singapore there was hong kong and there was shanghai and i really loved hong kong this is mm -hmm. probably in two when did i come up here 2009 2010 it was like the states when i got off the plane in the states there's a yeah. buzz yeah real buzz well you've been here you yeah. know yep but it's this multicultural buzz you know the beautiful thing about the multicultural buzz and that's and that sense of enterprise is that a single word a single word can mean lots of different things in people's heads mm -hmm. so you really got to get on top of that and understand how things are working so that's we've been here since and you know it's been fantastic uh, my my kids came when they were eight and six uh, one's 20 today the other's 18 and my wife's in real estate here and yeah and you've been you know what the town's like yeah there's there's a buzz it's incredible and there's, yeah have you spent any time out on the, on the water up here at all i have no i didn't get to go out on the water we we were in i've been in hong kong a number of times but uh, i would say i probably spent more time on in mainland china than i have yeah. in hong kong so because again that's always kind of the you know that's the destination and you know where we're always leaving from so so I've spent, you know, a number of, well, probably, probably about a week or so, I guess, all together in, in Hong Kong. Okay. So, well, I traveled, for, I commuted for a year between Sydney and here and I, you know, I loved it. I felt the energy, but now we're living here, what, 11, 12 years and we live on the water. A lot of people don't realize that Hong Kong is 80% national park or 75% mm -hmm. national park. It's got beautiful islands off it. It's very accessible. You know, every day we do some sort of water activity. Mm -hmm. And I think COVID, a blessing from COVID has been the shutting of the borders. It has forced people to actually appreciate what's here. Yeah. And I've never seen this with so many Hong Kong people saying, and, and expats living here, despite what you might see on the news, you know, we don't have Chinese PLA tanks driving down Queens Road. Yeah. Um, so, it is actually really buzzing. People are now starting to appreciate what's here. And it's a very different culture to mainland China, as you know, having mm -hmm. gone through both. Mm -hmm. So it's good. Yeah, yeah it's very, very good. Yeah. yeah. Entrepreneur, love... entrepreneur, entrepreneur's haven. Is yeah, I completely agree. And I, I love I love the Chinese culture. I love, you know, the history and the way that they, you know, look at different situations and that just very wonderful, wonderful people. So love, love that, uh, love that culture. So talk a little bit about what, what it is that you do there. You, you've said that you you acquired a couple of, of companies and you've mentioned that a couple of times. So I, I guess before we get to what you do, is that is that a strategy that you would say that you've deployed is acquiring companies or acquiring properties rather than trying to start something on your own? Is that is that kind of how you how I've you done grew? I've done both. Um, 
I don't really like operating on my own. Mm-hmm. I feel that there's a lot more synergy to operate with other partners and multiple partners in different areas. Um, so what I do is, you know, I've, I've came up here and we invested in a company and we bought that company, we turned it around and built it. And I guess that's what I have been doing consistently. Um, some have been successful, some haven't. You know, we, we built a brand of infant milk formula out of New Zealand and we built that in, sold that across China. We had a really good uh, Chinese uh, partner in that. We built a, co- a corporate services and a sort of an accountancy business. We sold that. Uh, we, we got involved in a payments business, <clears throat> which has a great founder, a great guy, and the business was growing. And I, I like this one as somebody came up with the term fintech and all of a sudden our, our payments business became a lot more valuable. So we yeah. sold that to a NASDAQ <laughs> company, you know, and then about five years ago, I started in New Zealand a, uh, with another couple of partners, uh, an infant milk formula plant. So we're building a, a, a pharmaceutical grade, a large processing plant for a couple, wow. hundred million, couple hundred million US. Yeah, look, I say we're building, we started a partner, a partner and I and a few other guys and we got it together and you know, the headlines sound all really nice. It's great. It's got great management. It's listed and everything else. But as you know, it, it still has a journey to go. And, you know, I've had a small um, sort of asset management investment company where we've got different things like funds under management. We've got some ultra high network clients mm-hmm. um, and we've got other projects like we're involved in a super yacht marina here. We're involved in a, a technology business in the U.S. that is kind of in your field, uh, about sort of like an EOP um, Yep business for for entertainment industry so there's lots of really exciting things i guess the most exciting thing about it to be fair matt is you just get to meet so many different people and you get to understand how people think you mentioned you know how the chinese think i mean one of the first things i did when i arrived here was find myself a chinese teacher to learn mandarin as opposed Mm -hmm. to cantonese Mm -hmm. and i did that five days a week for four four and a half years to Mm -hmm. learn mandarin to learn to read and write it took me four and a half years to realize that every translator who I went to China with was actually not exactly saying what I wanted, but saying what they could say so they didn't lose face. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> but, through that, but through that process, you learn how people think when you understand different languages. Mm-hmm. Stories get trans, transported down from generations and it's different sides of the coin. Yeah. So I agree with you. There's a very different way of doing business, a very different way of living, and a very different value set. And I don't think any of them are odds. I think you just need to appreciate them. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. So, talk a little bit about what what you do now in your in your. Oh, look, we have we you know we've got, what I do, what we do now is we really look for good business opportunities. We look for good people and good partners. So, you know, the the dairy business in New Zealand was was hot, was disruptive. We got into a market that was pretty much run by a conglomerate, mm-hmm. almost an, an oligopoly. We we got disruptive in there. We took on a big player. Uh, we, we had a small bank account with you know bigger egos than bank account as normal. That's what entrepreneurs mm-hmm. have. And, and look, we're there. We're, we're at that stage now, you know, broken ground. I think we started off mine maybe eight hectares. I think today it's 351 hectares. As I said, wow. we, uh, yeah, I mean, the headline numbers sound really good. That's why I'm giving them to you. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. The blood, sweat, and tears in between. Sure. Uh, you know. Hey, it's Matt. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've been involved in the multifamily real estate realm for a while. It's something that I truly, truly enjoy, and I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling it the MultiWiser Deal Room. It's a community of individuals just like you who want to get wise about multifamily real estate investing, developing, and even owning and managing your own complexes. You'll be able to network with people from all sections of the industry, 
from investors looking for deals, project managers looking for investors, real estate brokers, property management agencies, contractors, remodeling experts, finance gurus, you name it, we're going to have it in the network. I've been at this for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one of these projects happen. And the MultiWiser Deal Room is my attempt to shorten your learning curve and get you plugged into leading experts fast who can help you close your own deals. We start off with a video glossary of over 150 commonly used terms to increase your understanding and help you get moving. Also included in the community are training videos to help you be successful, like how to put together a pitch deck, build a team, and so much more. We're going to have live interactive Zoom calls where you can ask your questions and learn from people who are actually out there in the industry doing it. For more information, go to multiwiser.com. And that's great. And there's a fantastic CEO there. There's a good board of directors. And, uh, you know, they've got experience in the industry. And like all of us, they're learning what it's like to do that. And we've got a small, uh, we're licensed and regulated by the SFC, which is like here at CCR. So we've got a couple of funds on our platform here that are, mm -hmm. I won't take the credit for, or we just provide the regulatory oversight and try and understand there's really smart people who run those funds and they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and then we just have a, another business, which is essentially servicing ultra high net worth families. And what we do for them is, help with some of the private assets that they want to take to the next level or we get inquiries on businesses business builders i guess i'm seen as i guess i i guess i'm probably seen as a business builder but rather than being on the tools as the operator so in the early days of the happy valley nutrition which is the dairy business i was sort of the hands-on ceo between hong kong and new zealand mm -hmm. and then and then we found a ceo who actually knew what he was doing greg wood mm -hmm. and he's very good and now what i'm trying to do is with our partners, we're trying to find out good opportunities. We try to find the right people mm -hmm. and the right money and see if we can put that together. And, you know, Matt, it's, it's, it's a game. It's, it's a game of craps, right? When yeah. you start a business, yep. you know, you, you roll the dice, you have everything right, and then life gets in the way. Mm -hmm. uh, COVID's a classic example. You know, mm -hmm. get, try and get into New Zealand. You cannot get into New Zealand. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's what we do. And then, Will we be good at it? I don't know. We can ask our grandkids. Yeah. We'll have a, I'll meet you in heaven for a pint and we can look there down and see what, our grand, see what our grandkids say. I love it. I love it. So, so what you obviously have your hands in a lot of different types of companies as well. And you've identified you know, people. I, 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 think, I think if I'm, I'm, I'm understanding correctly, you, know, you, you guys will come into an opportunity and you, know, you could provide funding. You could provide operational support. And then, you know, you're really looking for the right type of people to be able to plug into, you know, the different roles to be able to, you know, ultimately manage and run those companies. What types of things have you learned over the years about identifying those leaders and the leadership qualities and maybe even training or developing leaders? And I know that that's a, a really, really broad based question, but I'm, I'm curious to, to hear you know, how, I guess first, how do you identify someone who could be a, a good fit to be able to, you know, manage, run one of your companies? Is there, is there uh, some type of technique or something that you guys look for? Any, any type of tactical advice that you, you know, sort of comes to mind? Okay. That's a really interesting question. Tactical advice is obviously there has to be a, a fair level of EQ because mm -hmm. any leader has got to be able to what do they say? If you want to win the, the minds of people, you've got to win their hearts. So mm -hmm. I think that's a very important thing. 
one of the key things behind it, though, is also coming back to what I said about knowing ourselves. So, I mean, I've worked with coaches over the year. I've got a fantastic coach at the moment. And I think as myself in a leadership role, which I always felt uncomfortable saying because that's sort of authoritative process where it's not anymore. It's an inclusive process. But I guess in a leadership role, what you need to understand is that evolution of yourself evolution of the business and evolution of the person is just in there it's going to happen mm -hmm. you cannot get in the way of that so therefore eq self-awareness i think they're prerequisites on any candidates that you look for mm -hmm. and then i you know i love the old zen expression the empty cup you know you have to come with an empty cup to things because you might be the smartest guy in that industry you might have picked up everything from the industry but typically if we're involved we're coming in with some sort of angle of disruption which essentially means you got to toss out everything you know mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. put it all back into the cup again to figure out how to do that. Now, you can only do that if you're very comfortable with knowing yourself because when you know yourself, you know that you have to toss out everything you think is good about yourself. Mm -hmm. And my wife's very good at that. She loves to tell me all the things that I think are good about myself that they're not that good. And then you go back onto your meditation couch and you figure out whether yeah. you're right or wrong. <laughs> but no, so I think, that's, I think that's the key. Well, like, I don't know, who am I? But that's at the moment. This is the journey that I'm on to try and figure out how do we find the right people in the right spot? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, how do I determine whether I'm the right person in the right spot that I'm in? Yeah. You know, making the yeah. transition from, I mean, the recent one was making the transition from sort of being that CEO of the dairy business in New Zealand to actually me passing the baton to somebody who actually knows what they're doing. And yeah. then trying to appreciate, do you mentor from this element? Do you listen? How do you play that role? What is your role now? So does, that, does that answer your question? It, it does. It does. And I, I think that that's, like you said, it's, it's all part of the evolution of yourself. And, and I guess, so, so I think a lot of people, myself included, you know, will, will, will be put in a position or will, will grab a position and say, I'm going to do that. And then you, you don't want to give it up, you know, even though there's something, there, there's some things that you know that you're not good at. Maybe you don't necessarily I want to admit that to yourself, but like you said, it, it, it's a matter of knowing yourself and knowing what you are good at and what you're not good at and what you enjoy doing, what you don't enjoy doing, you know, but, but still, I guess in certain situations, until you do find that right person, you still have to, you still have to do those things that you may not necessarily enjoy doing. So I guess it's, it, it's, uh, you know, a matter of time and, and learning to, to be able to identify what you don't like you know about that position or that, you, that you're not good at and then trying to find somebody who is better at that than, than but you isn't are. it is, is it that or is it really about understanding the number one objective to deliver the result true and then and then actually stepping back to see if coming back to that power of intent have you actually focused on the right result mm -hmm. you know is that right result the million dollars of profit at the end of the quarter or is that right result a hundred thousand really happy customers and a culture in the business that's beautiful and people are growing and a really happy family and a dog and a picket fence and a bottle of Jemison. I mean, is that the right, is that the right result? And I think, yeah. I think that's the starting point. And then if we get connected to ourselves, we become aware of, I think Anthony, Anthony DeMello writes, he says a great thing that the source of all unhappiness is attachment. And then if you take that a bit further, you look at, no attachment and detachment. Mm -hmm. So isn't it mm -hmm. setting that intent, setting that goal and not being attached to it? Mm -hmm. So to come back to find as we develop leaders, as we develop people, you have an intent, 
you have that goal is to get the, the best people that come into your presence to work with you so that you can achieve an aligned set of goals and aligned set of results. But all of that changes. Yeah. And the people change. So yeah. how do we regroup and how do we regroup? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, yeah. That's, uh, that's definitely thought provoking. I think we could go really, really deep into that too. I hope not. It's eight o'clock in the morning here. You, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's 8, 830 at night here. So, you know, okay. I'm, I'm winding down, but the, the, uh, you mentioned too about culture yeah. and obviously it's sort of a buzzword today. You know, everyone wants to create you know, a great culture. Do you have any techniques or tips that you've learned over the years to be able to, again, identify this person has the right type of personality or the right type of, you know, thought process to be able to you know, fit in with one of us? Does that make does that make sense? Yeah, I think I think that's the hardest task is to build the right culture. And mm -hmm. I think I, for me, I've always found it challenging for for three for three reasons. I guess one is uh, jurisdictional because the businesses that we are involved with are mm -hmm. across Asia, Australia, New Zealand. Um, the second is the distance of that. So you've got different cultures in different jurisdictions, but then you've got the distance of managing those different cultures. Mm -hmm. And the third is because I'm Irish, and as you know, we have. We can be quite difficult ourselves. Uh -huh. So, so <laughs> that's a journey I'm still learning. And you know, we we're trying it in our in our business at the moment to try we to try we call it that win 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 win. So there's everyone talks about a win win. Okay, so how do we stretch beyond that win to a third win and possibly a fourth win? You know, so mm -hmm. who are we trying to get the win for? Well, it's the clients, it's the investors. Who's after that? Well, it has to be the team because they're not up there. Who's after that? Well. It must be the community, right, and the network. Because there's one mm -hmm. thing to develop all these businesses, but how do you are you actually doing it for the right cause? And then what's the last win, or who are the next win in this circle? It was well, the shareholders. Okay, so how do the shareholders win? Well, isn't that reputation? Doesn't reputation create good businesses? And doesn't that create dividends? And then don't they be happy? But then it's that virtuous circle. You got to go back all the way up again for the first win. And that's what we're trying at the moment. And, and it's hard because on top of all of that, you have to hold people accountable. And yeah. You know, some people are shareholders, some people are investors, some people are team members, but they don't deliver to the level of where the business is now evolved. Mm -hmm. and you've got to hold them accountable. And then all of a sudden you have people who don't feel like it's a win-win. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, now that's, that's, that's one that's why I listen to your podcast. I'm listening, <laughs> I'm listening for this secret sauce that you pass around. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And, and that's the beautiful thing about, I think, us as entrepreneurs today, say it's 20 years ago. You know, there's books, there's YouTubes, there's people like you doing these podcasts, and we can learn from other people. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I, I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you, you have to be able to, to pick up what other people are, are, you know, learning and, you know, hopefully not making the same mistakes, you know, over and over again, let, let somebody else make mistakes and just learn from theirs. So, yeah, and, and so you, you, you kind of were going through a, a process. So we actually did something called the, a decision hierarchy in our, in our uh, properties. And, and basically what we did was we called out all the stakeholders that are you know, part of this, right? So it's obviously the investors are there, the owners are there, you know, management is there, the employees are there, you know, regulators are there vendors are there right so so you create this pecking order or i don't want to say pecking order but you create this this you know what's right at the top of that right you know this is the most important 
you know, element of all of these different stakeholders. And for us, it's the community, right? We're building yep. communities, we're building, you know, those are the people that, you know, ultimately are, are paying their, mem- we call membership fees, but they're the ones who are ultimately paying, you know, for all of this other trickle down stuff. And then, you know, you kind of use that to be able to determine, you know, is, is this, is this person or this element larger than this element? And you kind of just, you know, stack it, stack it through. So it, it, it allows not only us to be able to make decisions, but when we're not around as well, our employees know and understand this as well. So, you know, it gives them the ability to be able to say, okay, you know, we should go this way as opposed to that way. So you kind of just jog my, my uh, mind toward that, you know, direction when you're saying, you know, that all the different stakeholders and all that. So I don't know if that's something you've ever heard or not before, but uh, it works well for us. And did you, um, I mean, I've come across, like, obviously the decision hierarchy is different, but did you create, is this something that, I mean, how did you get to the stage where you created that? It sort of fell out of a need or, or, or no, an issue. So we hired a mentor, and uh, <laughs> and he he took us through that. That was all part of our. You know, we went through the whole the whole core values yeah. process, yeah. and then as a second follow up to that, you know, we went through the the decision hierarchy, and and uh, you know, again, it's just a way to be able to sort of use it as a guiding light as to what direction you know everybody should move in any one given situation. So. Yeah, I'd love, if you've got something on that, I'd love to see that because I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that works. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it, it would, it would have to be just obviously customized for, sure. you know, each, sure. you know, each business or each, you know, each industry, but it really is r- literally just going through and figuring out all the different stakeholders and, you know, how they, how they rank in order of importance. And again, that was, that was how we go. But yeah, I mean, I can, I can send you what we have. It's just like a, you know, just a written list of. Don't you find, don't you, that'd be great. Don't you find that today. I guess people who work with you are more enterprising. There's more resources available to them. There's more looking outside the box. So they're not, and there seems to be a sort of a, an acceptance that you can take a punt, that you can take a risk, mm-hmm. that you can try something. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, I, and I don't know. I mean, I, mean I, I think that whole, that, that has to create an element of where you can allow people to just run with things. But yeah. at the same time, you've got to have that supervisory guidance level. Yeah. Yeah, you've seen that a lot. In I, I, yeah, I, I completely, yeah, I completely agree. And again, I think that this gives, you know, again, if if something or a decision or something is is harming the community as at a whole, you know, for us, that's that that is the most important thing. So, you know, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to disrupt that. We don't want to challenge that. Maybe if there's something else down below that, you know, we want to, you know figure out what direction to go, that, that it can go, you know, I, I would say that we probably would, you know, if, if a decision can't be made, you know, using that tool, it probably would be brought up during one of the meetings to say, hey, you know, what do you guys think of whatever this might be? So it's, it's, a, it's a tool to be able to foster more conversation, you know, if, if, that, if that decision hierarchy doesn't guide, the, you know, to a result, then, hey, you know what, let's have a conversation about this. And it's, you know, again, just another tool to make sure that, everybody's talking about what should be talked about and you know we can use this other tool to be able to hone in on the rest of the things or, or figure out the rest of the things so yeah um, good very yeah. good very so, very good helps you with that distance piece yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah, and and you know we we are managing properties all over the place too so it does definitely you know we can't always be there you know making decisions for everyone so but yeah like i said you you made me think of that so i thought that might be something that uh potentially could be useful for you too. So, but no, uh, that's good. Good. Very good. Very good. 
yeah so so what what would you say is next for you guys or what what are you obviously you're going to keep growing and and you know cultivating these businesses that you're in but are you focused on any type of you know next industry or have yeah, your we're eyes evolving. on anything we're, we're evolving the business again and that's out of necessity to mm -hmm. to evolve so we're going through that process at the moment you know there, there's some really good people out there that you encounter and you work with so trying to create a bit more of a a partnership structure to the, the various business lines mm -hmm. as opposed to that sort of corporate structure and also to try to expand that sort of partnership federated approach to where it allows us to go into other geographies with like-minded people so mm -hmm. you know i would spend typically i'd have been on the road flying around, flying every two weeks um mm -hmm. so now that's not going to happen anymore and even when that does open up again you know, we're having a Zoom call here. People are getting comfortable with interactions yeah. like this. People are getting comfortable making decisions. You are missing the, the water cooler talk. You are missing some of the other touch points. So we've locked inward and said, hang on, this is this is not going to be sustainable for the future. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we we do that. We did set up a plan where, you know, the next stage of our business plan is about performance and profitability. So we needed to change the way we were doing things. And, uh, you know, there are other partners who join the business with other skill sets, complementary skill sets. And we've agreed to break it out in more of a federated approach, a partnership approach to just focus on each person's skill set to build their own business within that business. And then that, and the key then is to try and find what are the collaborative opportunities across the partnership and across the jurisdictions that sure. we can add value to. And it, maybe that sounds soft and wishy-washy, but that's actually what we're going through at the moment. Well, no, that, I mean, and that's kind of what we started talking about too with you know, the different businesses and how they can feed and, and complement yeah. one another. That That's great that you're sort of doing that exploration as to, you know, where are all of our pieces? How do they all fit together? And, you know, do these pieces fit together with these pieces? So that makes perfect sense. And is, is that the goal basically is to, you know, establish your yeah. assets, if you will, and figure out. Yeah, what... that, yeah. So the goal is really, the goal, the goal is to build, to build a, starting out for a regional platform of partners in the various sectors of either the asset management, the private equity, the, the alternate worth advisory, but really with the function of them, seeing where, where we as a, as a group can collaboratively add value. So yeah. it's all about adding value to that piece. So there could be an inquiry or a customer or investor that comes through the door from any one of those circles and we'll say, right, how can we collectively add value? And in some cases, it might not be a collective add value. It might just be one person needs to do this and needs to support to do that. And in the other cases, it might be across all of us. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, I think there's a need for that now. Coming back to the point about how people are a little bit more fluid at work. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more resources out there. People aren't afraid to go out and try things. People aren't afraid to, to look beyond that. So, yeah, that's, that's what we're hoping to build. And that is coming together right now. We're right in the hence why i'm sort of tap dancing around the subject <laughs> makes sense <laughs> no i love it i love it yeah david this has been fantastic i can't wait to, to see what else you guys do and and uh, what other things you you spin off in your company so maybe uh sometime in the future we can get together again and talk about the the next stages here so no look that's been it's been brilliant and look thank you very much for doing this Mike. thank you not for interviewing me but for putting the podcast together and having it pass the secret sauce as we talked about earlier i mean we don't really know do we we've got no idea so it's as an entrepreneur the lessons that we uh, that we make normally are very costly so it's yeah. fantastic to listen to it. and i've really enjoyed listening to the other guests so thank you very much for that mate well, thank you thank you david have a wonderful evening you too cheers well, i guess bye -bye. morning morning to you
<laughs> yeah, I'll get to the evening. Don't worry. <laughs> Take care. See you, buddy. Bye-bye. See ya. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.